0: Halfway through Psalm 18 last week, we're trying to go through the scriptures chronologically and we find ourselves between 1st and 2nd Samuel and in between these two historical books we find some Psalms and we're in Psalm 18 this morning and we got halfway through it last week. But in Psalm 18, God the Father influences the writings of David, and he speaks of delivering David, and he speaks of delivering Jesus. So it's sort of a messianic psalm. But in verse 17, and we... We we got halfway through. We got two through verse seventeen. Uh, God delivered David from his strong enemy. He delivered David from those who hated him. Verse nineteen. God delivered David because he delighted. In David. That's something that's a little difficult for us to comprehend sometimes, that God actually delights in us. And this psalm, in my opinion, allows us to hear a conversation that goes on, if you can even call it that, between God the Father and Jesus the Son. We have them communicating in this psalm. And these words that David pens that he writes uh, of himself are, are authentic. They're real. And David is writing inspired by the Holy Spirit. And David writes, I was blameless before him. David is saying, I was forgiven. And because he's forgiven He's blameless. I was righteous before him. in David speaking of his heart. In my heart, I wanted to be righteous before God. My behavior was pure and clean in God's sight. And we know David, and we go, well, David, how can you write that? You know, you, you had a lot of sin in your life. But David was forgiven. Now let's look at that part I was talking about, about the communication between God the Father and the the Son. And that's in verses 25 through 27. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. For you will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. Today we have a little axiom, a little saying that kind of fits with that. And we would say something like, what goes around, comes around. You ever said that one? You know, well, they got what they deserve, you know, sort of same thing. But God, by his spirit, deals with each of us in a manner that we are familiar with. Each of us he deals with in a manner that we are. I have had people in my life that totally abstain from alcohol and did not dare smoke or chew. Bad habits. (laughs) And for them, their conscience would not allow them to drink any alcohol whatsoever. It was a sin. But when you look at Scripture, that's a hard stance to take in Scripture. For the Apostle Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Municipal purposes, I understand. And I have to confess to you, I am a teetotaler. I do not drink any alcohol. And for me, to drink is wrong. And the dangers of alcohol are obvious. One out of eight people who ever try alcohol will have a lifelong problem with it. Wow, why do you want to go there? But a person like my mother whose father was an alcoholic, drinking was an obvious sin, and she passed that on to her kids. And to say my mom, mom was sensitive to alcohol is an understatement for sure. But uh, it's just you have to be careful what you say is wrong and what you say is a sin if Scripture doesn't call it a sin. Like I said, it is a sin for me to drink, but I can't preach that taking a drink is a sin because Scripture doesn't. Moving along. (laughs) There's a part of me, and it might be called pride, which hates to be deceived. I hate to be taken advantage of uh, in a devious way. I hate being lied to. So when I read of Jacob and how Laban deceived him, I can relate to Jacob. I empathize with Jacob. But God uses Laban to teach Jacob patience and honesty. In our third example here, it says that God will save the humble and bring down haughty looks. I enjoy, I truly appreciate being around a truly humble person. They're a joy to be with. But an arrogant and haughty person, they are wearisome. And many of our sports heroes in America are haughty. It's just that simple. Maybe you watch football like I do. You see uh, a player, a running back, maybe a cornerback or somebody, and they'll make a good play. And then they will give off their haughty look. You want to know what a haughty look looks like? I will demonstrate. They do it right there with the nation watching them. And I go, oh, man. And then on the next play, they get beat and they look silly. But anyway, if you ever followed boxing, Muhammad Ali was haughty. He was arrogant. And my favorite boxer was whoever was fighting Muhammad Ali because he was so haughty. And David gives God his due respect in the next few verses, in verses 28 through 30. And David is glorifying God here, and he says, For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. And for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. God, you will light my lamp. Lord, you will encourage me. And Lord, you will give me understanding. I can read certain passages of scripture and give mental assent to it and say, yeah, that's right. But every now and again, God will break through this fog that I live in with a godly precept. And I cherish those times that he does. But let me give you one of my enlightenments. (laughs) Have you ever wondered why, like I have, that the Lord looked at David and declared David a man after his own heart? I've wondered on that one. I have taught about David's life, you know, a few times. And David, you know, he was the good shepherd, he was faithful. David, the Goliath killer, a man of faith, a man of courage. David, the skilled musician. Before Saul, he could calm Saul and the evil spirit that come upon Saul just by singing and playing his music for Saul. David was also a warrior. He was a raiding uh, vigilante on the tribes there in Judah. And he became a murderer and a thief. David, the adulterous womanizer... David was a man who was quick to repent. But here's what I recently saw in David that perhaps I'd never seen before. David was a lot like our Lord Jesus Christ. He was kind and loving and forgiving to his enemy, King Saul. Saul was out to kill David. And Saul would never take vengeance upon Saul in any way. And he would not even speak against Saul. King Saul, definitely David's enemy. And David is like Jesus when Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And that, in my mind, made the connection between David being that man after God's own heart for me it was a big deal but david's character it gave him compassion the things david went through made him a compassionate man and david had the ability to quickly humble himself before god he was quick to repent quick to accept god's forgiveness And I've heard it said, the measure of our spirituality lies in time. How long does it take me to repent after I've sinned is a measure of your spirituality. When you're confronted by the Holy Spirit, on your sin. <clears throat> Many times we can go into, uh, I will now demonstrate to the Lord how much I love Him and how sorrowful I am for my sin. And I'm going to read an extra chapter in the Bible every day in my devotions, showing God how good we are. <clears throat> or I'm going to show kindness to my wife and the kids. For me, it's something real simple, like I'll try to be a courteous driver, you know. (laughs) That's a big deal for me. (laughs) But we try to please God with our good behavior before we even dare to repent. Good behavior does not cause God to love you more. God already loves you completely. Completely. We have measures of love. God loves completely. And his love being complete brings forth obedience from us. And our obedience is gratifying not only to God, but it's gratifying to us. To know that we've been obedient to God is comforting But have you ever slid into thinking, I will show God that he made a good choice in picking me? Ever been? That's pride, by the way. And then the whole repenting process starts all over. (laughs) But David would quickly repent and enjoy being clean before God instantly. David could sinned grievously, but he also repented sincerely and immediately moved into that new relationship of cleanliness with God. And David understands forgiveness. And he writes, with the merciful, you will be merciful. David also understood that there's a side of God that is judgmental. And how God will bring down the haughty looks. And I demonstrated that a minute ago. (laughs) We can get so quick to be lifted up in pride. And that's usually, it can be coming from somebody complimenting us. Oh, he's such a good father, he's such a good provider, he's such a good whatever. And we get lifted up in pride. And we can inwardly, we can have that haughty look before God, before God. And uh, that is so wearisome. It is so anti-humility. But in verse 30, we see God's way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. In my life as a Christian, and I'm sure this is probably true for a lot of you, I have had a different uh, opinion with some Christians who come to me maybe in a weak moment, and they say something along the lines of, God's promises don't apply to me. I must correct that when I hear somebody say that. And I try to be as gentle as possible, but I must correct that person. And I tell them, I have to accept God's word over your disobedient feelings. I'm sorry. I can't go with you. God's promises don't apply to you. You don't give them a sympathetic ear. Stand for the Lord on a situation like that. The Lord's word is proven. It's not just words written on a page. It has been tried and proven. And the scriptures are proven. And that can mean an attitude change in my heart. It can mean I take on a new belief. A belief in God that is mature. And that is a belief that God is for me, not against me. And if we will follow and apply God's word to our life, then we can have verse 32 come about. God is faithful to bring about his perfect will. In our life, that does not mean there won't be lumps and bruises along the way. (laughs) But God's way, God's will for us is what? It's perfect. But He has to work around the free will of humans. And sometimes our free will gets in our way. But let's read the rest of the psalm. And it's a little bit of a lengthy reading, so bear with me. For who is God except the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your right hand has held me up. Your gentleness has made me great. You enlarge my path under me so my feet do not slip. I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed." I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for battle. You have subdued under me those who rose up against me. You have also given me the necks of my enemy so that I destroyed those who hated me. They cried out, but there was none to save, even to the Lord, but he did not answer them. Then I beat them as fine as the dust before the wind. I cast them out like dirt in the streets you have delivered me from the strivings of the people you have made me the head of nations a people I have not known shall serve me as soon as they hear of me they obey me the foreigners submit to me the foreigners fade away and some frightened from their hideouts the Lord lives blessed be my rock Let the God of my salvation be exalted It is God who avenges me and subdues the people under me. He delivers me from my enemies. You also lift up above those who rise against me. You have delivered me from the violent man. Therefore, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. Great deliverance he gives to his king and shows mercy to his anointed. To David and his descendants forevermore. And we have uh, a great psalm being concluded there. But let me point out a couple examples here of God's protections. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. How often have you seen a deer stumble? You don't see a deer stumble. Talis came to see me a few months back, and we were driving out in my little section of woods in a SUV, little scooter type thing, and a big buck deer was frightened by us, and he bolts away, and he runs, and he jumps a barbed wire fence. But while jumping this fence, he gets a hoof caught in the fence. And there's three strands of bob wire wrapped around one hoof. And there he hangs upside down. And he's frailing about. And you've got to be cautious because <laughs> that deer is very frightened and he can, he can do damage. But I approach the deer very slowly, very cautiously. And as I get near him, he calms down. And I managed to get one strand of the bob wire off of his hoof, but there's two two, two strands that have got him hanging there. And I said, well, I've got to go get a pair of wire cutters and come back and cut the wire and let him loose. As I back away, start to leave, he manages to get that leg free and he bolts off unharmed. But while I was up close to that deer, I noticed he didn't have feet. He had hooves, little hooves. And they have hooves for feet. And they're extremely agile animal and all they have is a little hoof to get about on. They are an agile animal, but they can't outrun cars. In my years of living in the country, I've hit two deer with my cars. In fact, you might not even want to buy one of my used cars. Lori's sister and her husband bought a little Mini Cooper that I had. I had hit a deer near our house and did $5,000 worth of damage to the front end of my little Mini Cooper and we sold them that Mini Cooper out after getting it repaired. They hook it up behind their motorhome. They're touring the country. They're out in Utah. They take the Mini Cooper away from the, uh, the big motor home, go for a drive. They destroyed the Mini Cooper by killing a deer. That Mini Cooper was a deer slayer. So there are other things besides rifles that will kill a deer. But moving on here, and I'll mention just one more example, and that's verse 35. Your gentleness has made me great. How contrary to the way we think in America today. Jesus, and this is my own humble opinion, was a man's man. These milk toast depictions of Jesus in movies bother me. You know, he's so mild. He wouldn't raise his voice and so forth. But on two different occasions, two different times, we see Jesus angry, and he's cleansing what? The temple of God. And he's upset. He's upset with the merchandisers and the money changers. And what does he do? He makes a whip out of cords. And he drove them out of the temple, along with the sheep and the oxen. and he overturns the money tables. Jesus is angry, and he's acting out in that anger. The l- Jewish leaders want to know, by what authority do you do these things? But you notice, they didn't try to stop him. And they had at their disposal temple guards. And the temple guards are not called on the scene because Jesus in his authority is driving out the money changers. But that same Jesus that would make a whip of cords and drive out the money changers and the merchandisers, the same Jesus is so gentle That mothers would bring their babies to them. Their little infants, their toddlers. And ask Jesus to bless their child. And if you know anything about his Jewish mother, you know they're protective. They're careful who they allow their children, their little children, to be with. And so we see the gentle side of Jesus that even little children and infants are comfortable with him. And therein lies my problem. I find it most difficult to be firm, but gentle. That's hard for me. But as a parent, as a pastor, It's important for me that our children, our young people, see a gentle side to me, but also a firm side to me. When we're chastised by the Lord, and He does chastise those He loves, He does it in a gentle but firm way. David declares... God's greatness has made me great. And that was through gentleness. And if you've ever been chastised by the Lord, and all of us have, have you ever marveled at the gentleness and the thoroughness in which God has dealt with you? He dealt with you right where you could understand but you can see his mercy and his love there also in the last several verses of this psalm David understands that he is not writing about himself only but he's writing about his descendant the Messiah and how both of them will be delivered from the strivings of people People that hate them. Yet, there's people that did not know David and they served him. And today, as Christians, we are part of those people that have only heard through the scriptures and the testimonies of scripture about a loving, kind Jesus that we serve. And then David writes, the Lord is our rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. Amen. Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, thank you for your gentleness towards us. Thank you for that strong right hand that delivers us too, Lord. And Lord, uh, forgive us when we become lifted up with pride and when we become haughty and begin to think we're something special. When in fact, we're just sheep that have seen the light. You have just revealed your goodness to us and now we can latch on to that we can hold on to that and apply it to our lives and and let you rule and reign in our hearts and lives lord god help us to appreciate your word your goodness and your gentleness in the way that you deal with us thank you again for loving us so much father and we pray in jesus name amen